Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Let me give you the telephone numbers first because you're going to want to be involved in this show to the maximum extent possible. If you're in the United Kingdom, remember the calls are completely free. The number is 08081965522. That's 08081 965522. Get your calls in now and we'll call you back when we can get you on the show. If you're in the United States or Canada, then you can call equally toll free on plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. That's plus one eight four four nine four four double three double four. This is Moats Extra. I don't know how many weeks this will last throughout the emergency. I hope if I can put all these uh, very highly skilled resources together on a weekly basis. Of course, the mother of all talk shows will continue to go out every Sunday at 7 p.m. London time. And the podcast of this show will be quickly available. So the distilled essence of the show you'll be able to download from your usual supplier on the podcast. More news on the podcast coming up later. Bill Roggio surely got it right that it is pure wishful thinking where it is not blatant war propaganda lying, militarized mendacity. Putin is not mad and Russia is not losing the war. In fact, it is entirely going to the timetable that they set. Now, let me make clear, as I did last week, I did not expect this all-out war, although it's actually not all-out war, but it's not that far away from it. I wish it had ended otherwise. I wish that no war had been necessary, and my heart bleeds for civilian and military casualties in a war that never needed to happen. As Sergei Lavrov, the personification of a cool head in a crisis, said today, this should be finished quickly because Russia's demands are minimal. And they are, in fact, entirely minimal. They are not to occupy Ukraine. They are not to change the government of Ukraine. They are not to pick a puppet government or remove the president or any of the things that you have been told in the mainstream media that they are. They are simple. That Ukraine must be a neutral state like Austria was, like Switzerland was, not in NATO, which part of that 
is it difficult to understand? Russia will not accept any more of its neighbors being recruited by the United States to a nuclear armed military alliance aimed at Russia. And that's what it is aimed at. That much is surely obvious even to the thickest skulls. It was set up long before the Warsaw Pact was set up. Not a lot of people know that. And its explicit purpose was to confront the then Soviet Union. When the Soviet Union ceased to exist 30 years ago, so did the case for NATO. But it did not close down. It did not change the security architecture in Europe. It refused all efforts, by Putin, by the way, for Russia to join NATO so that a win-win security environment would exist. It is aimed at, you, at Russia. Its purpose is confrontation with Russia. And if you think that Russia, when it is able to do something about it, as it clearly now is, both economically and geostrategically, with its new standing in the world and its ever closer relationship with China, who have already taken up all the contracts that were cancelled. And by the way, co-op, don't worry about your Russian vodka. There's plenty of people, alas, as a non-drinker, elsewhere in the world that will drink it all. Every bottle you cancel will be bought by someone else. Every cubic litre of gas that Europe cancels will be bought by someone else. As a matter of fact, turns out that Russia's not been kicked out of the SWIFT system at all. There's one door in the SWIFT system being left open. Which do you think it is? It's the one whereby Europe gives Russia one billion dollars every day for energy. So the cancel culture might be able to deprive little Oleg of Sergei and Alexander, it might be able to kick the Russian Paralympians out of their wheelchairs. It might be able to stop the mighty Sweden taking on Russia in football. But it will not affect Russia's geostrategic importance, which is now surely self-evident. It demands that Ukraine must be a neutral country by treaty, guaranteed that it will never, never be allowed to join NATO because if it did, it would quickly become a military camp for NATO, bristling with weapons, including nuclear weapons, just 20 minutes flying time from the capital of Russia, Moscow. What do you think they are, idiots? As a matter of fact, they've been mighty slow as NATO's military encampments spread around them. 
Maybe they weren't able to do anything about it before, but they sure are doing something about it now. Now, it seems to me this war can only end one of two ways, and that's what Bill Roggio, the military expert, writing in that well-known Bolshevik publication right now, the Daily Mail, is saying it can only end one of two ways. Either Russia's minimal demands are conceded at the negotiating table and lives are saved immediately after the ink is dry on the paper, or these demands will be imposed by a Russian military victory. And therefore, as Roggio is pointing out, you're not actually supporting Ukraine. Still less are you helping Ukrainians by this constant lying and propaganda, by handing out Stinger missiles on the street to God knows whom. Russia just, uh, sorry, Germany just sent thousands of Stinger missiles, anti-aircraft missiles to Ukraine. Do you know what happened the last time Stinger missiles were handed out to people who were fighting our enemies? They ended up in the hands of Al-Qaeda and of the Taliban. And they may well be again. Ukraine is, after all, by far and away the most corrupt country in all of the European continent. And these Stinger missiles, when the war comes to an end, as I hope it does quite quickly, will be sold to anyone that wants to buy them. They'll be sold to Islamist fanatics. They'll be kept by Ukrainian Nazis. What could possibly go wrong handing out heavy weaponry to the gangs of Kiev on the streets who are now killing each other with those weapons, who are killing people who are trying to flee as refugees from the country. It's all there if you want to look for it. It's all there on video. But you won't see it on the BBC because there... Government, state-sponsored lying requires them to try and convince you that Putin is mad and that Ukraine is winning the war. But that lie it will come crashing down, as Roggio says. Very quickly, the reality will be obvious. In fact, now, you can right now on the other half of your screen, look at the map. Russia has what will very quickly become a full pincer movement, excluding all of eastern Ukraine from its western hinterland, leaving only Kiev and the parts closest to the Polish border in the hands of President Zelensky. Don't fall for it. They've tried everything to make you do so. They think they can ban RT, but there's more people watching RT right now than before the ban. There's a boom in VPNs. 
There's a boom, forgive the pun, on Rumble. Everyone's getting ready to rumble where you can watch RT. This is not 1952. It's not 2002. It's 2022. Anyone can watch RT. Whatever the European Union has decreed, they're trying everything. I have never seen hysteria like it. When composers are being sacked, when, when orchestras are being blocked, when ballets are being kicked off the stage, when Russian films are being banned, shame on you, the Glasgow Film Festival. Shame, shame, shame on you cancelling Russian films of works of great art, cancelled by a film festival, Dostoevsky banned by the University of Milan. What next? You're going to burn them? You're going to make a bonfire of Pushkin, of Dostoevsky, of all the great treasures of Russian culture? What next? You're going to put Russians in internment camps? You're going to go looking for Lebedev, Lord Lebedev and Abramovich. You're going to put them in a camp. People's property is being seized because they are Russians who allegedly have been friends, usually in the distant past, of Putin. They think that oligarchs equals Putin, but the oligarchs hate Putin, and Putin hates them. He's trying to get their money back to Russia from London, from Paris, and all the other places. I'm going to conclude with something that not a lot of people have properly paid attention to. Although, if you've followed me, you already know this. I pointed out as forcefully as I was able to that when Western countries, including my own, and every sporting authority, every football authority, when they afforded official recognition to the unilateral declaration of independence of Kosovo, they set a precedent that would inevitably be copied by others whom they might not like. And so, on the basis that Kosovo, torn from its country by military force, deployed by NATO, can become an independent state just by saying so, then so can the Donbass People's Republics. So can Mariupol. So can all of eastern Ukraine. Can announce itself to be independent from the Ukraine. And Russia can recognize it as such. Maybe China too. Maybe India too. Maybe Indonesia too. Maybe Cuba, maybe Nicaragua. You see where I'm going with this? 
if Kosovo can become an independent state and play in the World Cup and play in the UEFA Euros, play in the World Tennis Championships, then so can a state of Eastern Ukraine. And there is nothing that you can do about it. Not my choice. I don't like countries breaking up. I didn't like U Yugoslavia breaking up. I warned you about it at the time in 1999. And I warned everybody that recognition of UDI by Kosovo would set a precedent that would come back to haunt them and haunt them now it is. Here's my last point. And it goes to the subject of boycotts. People can boycott anything they like. Personally, I hope nobody ever drinks a drop of vodka again from anywhere. You can boycott Russian vodka if you like. You can shun Russian opera if you like. No one can force you to like it. But be careful that you don't expose yourself as a complete hypocrite. I give you just two examples. As some of you know, I was deeply involved in the struggle against apartheid in South Africa, traveling underground in apartheid South Africa for the African National Congress. At the time, the apartheid state was supported by every Western country, including Britain and the United States. Britain and the United States backed apartheid South Africa. They don't like to talk about it now. Now that Mandela is safely on the other side and can be, can be worshipped. But I was there in the British Parliament when Margaret Thatcher called Nelson Mandela a terrorist. They called the ANC, who now governs South Africa, and who've now banned RT from their airwaves. They called them terrorists. There was only one major country in the entire world that stood with the liberation movements of South Africa, that opposed apartheid with cold steel. And that power was the Soviet Union and its ally, Cuba. The Cuban army gave its blood and its bones on the battlefields of Angola to defeat the apartheid army of white supremacist South Africa. And every weapon they deployed came from Russia. Putin himself was involved in the struggle to defeat apartheid South Africa. And when we were boycotting the products of apartheid South Africa, the hypocrites were investing in it and reaping the profits from the blood of the South African people. And maybe a sentence on my second example. Right now, Israel 
is illegally occupying East Jerusalem, which has been illegally annexed by America's closest ally, Israel. In the Golan Heights, which has been illegally annexed, stolen from Syria, an annexation recognized explicitly by the government of the United States of America. All of the so-called West Bank of the River Jordan now enters its 55th year of illegal military occupation. Two million people in the Gaza Strip are cut off from all civilization, all human interaction, without power, without water, without food, without medicine, dying, literally dying of malnutrition and of illness that could easily be cured. Not only is that state of Israel not sanctioned for these crimes, it is endlessly rewarded with more and more money, more and more weapons, and hey, it's even allowed to sing in the Eurovision Song Contest. Even though it's not in Europe, unlike Russia, which is in Europe, but not allowed to sing karaoke at the Eurovision Song Contest. Just think about that level of double standards, and if you think about it for a single moment, you'll understand why pictures of President Putin are going up right now in the townships of South Africa, are going up right now on the walls of occupied Baghdad, are being cheered in the refugee camps in Palestine. Ye hypocrites, are these your pranks? You've murdered men and you want to gee God some thanks. Desist. Go nay further. God will no accept your thanks for murder. This is the mother of all talk shows. Is the future a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free Ukraine? A, yes, B, no. You can vote on my Twitter feed. You can vote on my YouTube channel and on my Telegram channel. Don't forget to follow me on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway. Also, follow me on Patreon. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash George Galloway because you never know when algorithm uh, will strike. Uh, so that's the poll. Get busy on it. Tons of social media but no time to read it yet because my old friend Anya Parampil is on the line from the United States of America. Anya, welcome to the show. Good to be with you, George. Nice to see you again. Um, tell us, first of all, uh, just how frantic has it all got in the United States? It looks to me, watching the State of the Union address, that all of America's own domestic problems, 
economic problems, social problems, racial problems, were all put to one side, as was all the other wars that the United States is still involved in, and everything was about Ukraine. That's how it looks from here. Is that how it feels there? There's actually a joke circulating right now. I've seen some satire outlets make it and also just individuals making memes and putting it online that Putin should win the Nobel Prize in medicine for ending the COVID pandemic here. Very good point. Very good point. <laughs> Whatever happened to that COVID? No one's talking about COVID anymore. <laughs> and in the last few days, some mandates, mask mandates and vaccine passport mandates have also been lifted, yeah. interestingly uh, enough. By the way, Anya, as the truckers were demanding, they got Absolutely. called fascists for demanding, and now their demands have been conceded, just like that. Exactly. Nancy Pelosi herself sat behind President Biden during the State of the Union and didn't wear a mask. She'd announced it on air earlier that day while she was giving an interview to Andrea Mitchell at MSNBC and just focused on the war. She was uh, speculating that President Putin has, uh, and Hillary Clinton had also actually given an interview to MSNBC uh, the night before, during which she speculated that Putin might have brain cancer. The other line that they're using is that he has long COVID and is acting emotionally and irrationally. Uh, every time I turn on the television and I do it just for entertainment and so that I can provide commentary to people outside of the United States, that is the line. Putin it has changed. That's what they're all saying, that there's something mentally wrong with him. And Condoleezza Rice, the former U.S. Secretary of State, has come out and said that this isn't the Putin that she knew or that she worked with. And I think that speaks to what you, you mentioned in your question, George, that people are hysterical at this moment. They don't really know how to process the fact that there has been a major historic shift in geopolitics in the way the United States interacts with Europe, how Europe interacts with Russia. I think this will be a moment that goes down in history as a break. In fact, I was just listening to MSNBC a few moments ago. Chuck Todd, the anchor, was celebrating the fact that Russia has been cut off and decoupled from the, quote, civilized world. That was his way of looking at it. What's completely missing from anyone's analysis on MSNBC and most of the other networks as well, other than I should say Tucker Carlson at Fox, is the fact that this will have an impact on the economy, on the way the average U.S. citizen and European feels at home. Oh, gas prices. I returned recently to the United States from, from abroad and was shocked to see gas prices higher than I've ever seen in my lifetime. Some stations charging $5 a gallon for gasoline. And that, of course, is going to lead to prices of food and everything else we consume skyrocketing as well, not to mention the fact that Russia in Europe obviously is a major exporter of wheat. I was having a conversation with Moscow-based international affairs analyst Mark Sloboda yesterday, and we were I remembered that at the beginning of the Arab Spring years ago, one of the contributing factors to the riots or the protests that sprung up in Egypt were wildfires that had hit Russia and skyrocketed wheat prices as a result. This meant that average Egyptians were really demanding bread out in the streets. And I think those kinds of protests, that kind of 
suffering is now going to be felt not only in, in the United States, but Europe as well, as a direct result of this pushing Russia to this point of all-out war. I was going to raise this civilized thing with you, this uh, false dichotomy that is uh, being... Uh, not, it's not an accident, because it's happening daily, hourly. Uh, people are making this false dichotomy around the issue of civilization. Mr. Gandhi, of course, during the struggle for independence, was famously asked by an American journalist what he thought of Western civilization, and he paused for a minute and answered, yes, I think that would be a good idea. Uh, this uh, notion uh, that Palestinian refugees or Yemenis being bombed uh, or Latin American refugees uh, or uh, people being killed in Syria are somehow less worthy because they are not blonde-haired and blue-eyed. This is shining through so much of the media, at least. The po politicians are usually slightly more careful. But it is one of the salient facts of this war psychosis that we're in, isn't it? Absolutely, George, though I would note that at least in Syria's case, those victims were often deemed worthy of coverage in the United States as long as they could be framed as victims of Russian aggression or the Syrian government. Yeah. But we never heard about the victims, of course, that were actually uh, under the oppression and violence of the U.S. and allied-backed extremist groups in Syria. They only care about victims. They will use a brown victim as long as it can be used to escalate war aggression or, or demonization campaigns against Russia and the United States' perceived enemies abroad. It's definitely the case, though, that we are seeing... A, a, there, there was, I think, one European anchor who I heard say something along the lines of, this, is, this was a quiet, calm European country before this war broke out. And not only does that, as you say, suggest a sort of racist way of viewing victims, deciding whether or not they're worthy or whether or not they even exist in the eyes of the U.S. media, but it also was just a complete erasure of what the people of the Donbass have been experiencing for the past eight years. And that is another key point that I think people abroad should understand. In the United States, people here have no idea that there has been a war going on for the past eight years. This war did not begin with the Russian military operation in Ukraine. That was a response to a civil war, something that sparked off as a result of a U.S. coup in 2014 in Kiev. That context is completely missing. And that, of course, frames the entire action that Putin has taken recently in a different light. I mean, there's no way to deny that there has been a war taking place for the past eight years, and yet I don't think the average American, if you U.S. American, if you polled them, would have any idea that it was going on. And that, of course, is why we're seeing these campaigns to censor and target RT, because RT was one of the few, if not the only, network in the world that would actually show what was happening in the Donbass, show the fighting, show the crimes of the Ukrainian military and, of course, the Nazi battalions that are operating on their behalf. 
Quite so. Uh, in fact, uh, 14,000 Ukrainians were killed in eight years. And I think it's fair to say that most of the American and British media never seriously reported it once. You would have to really get your search engine revved up to find any consistent analysis of these Ukrainians. So you're right. Uh, some Ukrainians are more worthy than others. The blood of some Ukrainians more valuable than uh, others. But the other false dichotomy, and you alluded to it there, is that this is happening in Europe, as opposed to Asia or Africa, the Middle East, North Africa. But of course, NATO did have a war in Europe. It did relentlessly, for weeks, bomb a European capital city, Belgrade. It did relentlessly, for weeks, bomb civilian targets, kill civilians who were white and European. It makes your point that whilst they're ready to embrace brown victims as long as it suits their narrative equally, they're ready to cheer on the killing of white victims as long as that is part of their agenda. And it completely it ignores also and what was going on in Europe for a great part of the 20th century, a very brutal war that all came as a result of the clash of empires. That's what you get in Europe. You have these competing interests. That's what led to World War One. That's what led to World War Two. And this legacy is something that we're still dealing with. This is European, what's happening right now. It is what's happened in that region as a result of aggressive capitalist interests that now are running up against a wall because they don't, I'm, and I'm speaking about the European powers, they don't really know, I think, how to deal with Russia at this point. I don't know how any politician in, in Europe, such as the German chancellor now, for example, Olaf Scholz, can think that he can have a career going forward if he's going to actually cause the suffering of German people by raising their energy prices and price of food, all for the, for what? So that they can sanction Russia and say they did so? It's really a crisis of Europe. And again, something that Europe has to deal with its own history and acknowledge that this is very natural and also the result of European and US actions. Anya, love to the family. Thanks for joining us on this extra of the mother of all talk shows. Much obliged to you. Uh, how's the poll going? Is the future a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free UK? A, yes. B, no. That's interesting. 45% think the future is not a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free Ukraine. Which part, I wonder, uh, of that triptych uh, are they balking at? They don't want it to be neutral. They don't want it to be neutralized. They don't want it to be demilitarized or they don't want it to be fascist free. Anyway, you can vote, as I say, on my Twitter feed, on my YouTube and on my Telegram. Now, I think I'm ready to go straight to my next guest, who is the one and only US-based political analyst and host of The Dive, wonderful show, actually. He is, of course, Jackson Hinkle. 
Welcome back, Jackson. So good to see you. Uh, we've just spoken to Anya Parampil. Get some of the uh, the big stuff out into the open. I want to ask you the big question that's on my mind. What did Nancy Pelosi mean when she stood behind uh, Donald uh, Donald Biden, uh, rubbing her knuckles together? What's that all about? I don't know what that's all about. I saw that uh, video too. I was watching the State of the Union live. And uh, for someone who's accusing Vladimir Putin of having long COVID symptoms or <laughs> mental health decline, uh, I, I, I'm a bit confused as to why she's uh, throwing stones in a glass house because uh, he was in the middle of a sentence when, when she was doing that. And I, I remember just watching it and I was shocked. I was like, what? What is going on? She's not even clapping. She's rubbing her, her fists together. It was so weird. Well, I, I'm glad you've, you've clarified that because, you know, we are two peoples divided by a common language. I thought that it was some new Americanism that we'd all have to learn as a sort of non-macho way of clapping or something. Or, I mean, if I were being unkind, uh, perhaps it was, you know, mimicking coitus. That's... That's what some dirty minds might think, though I'm sure that neither of them are involved in much coitus these days. Uh, but talking of mental illness, um, President Biden actually said uh, that Putin may be able to encircle Kiev, but he'll never win the hearts of the Iranian people. What did he mean by that? Well, I think uh, Joe Biden is waging so many regime change operations, wars, coups, launching sanctions in so many different countries. He's probably just lost track of, you know, who he's talking about in the given moment. I mean, this is a guy who has been known to be uh, chief among the warmongers in Washington, D.C. Uh, for the past 40 plus years. So given that, I mean, you, you have to understand the guy. He, he's got a lot going on. He's, he's got to remember which coup he's waging and which one he's talking about at any given moment. So he, he probably just got a little bit mixed up in, in the heat of the moment. You know, he's talking in front of the world and uh, you know, he, he forgot which coup he was talking about. What was funny was uh, the vice president, soon to be president, Al Warrant, uh, who was sitting behind them, and she was like a ventriloquist dummy. She was trying to throw the right words at uh, poor old Joe. Did you see that? I did. I did. Yeah. She was trying to like, right when she heard him say Iranians in Ukraine, uh, she, she was like, she's like, Ukrainians, Ukraine. She was trying to help him out, but there's no <laughs> helping Joe Biden. I mean, no. uh, we, we see what's happening to him every day. The American public understands that he is not only a weak leader, but he is in serious mental health decline. And, uh, you know, it's it's a sad state of affairs. His approval ratings are very low. And you can see that uh, with those low approval ratings and with an empire in decline, uh, he's resorting to very, very dangerous policy actions. Like, uh, for example, um, you know, uh, demanding that uh, Zelensky of Ukraine do not uh, negotiate these peace proposals with Vladimir Putin in good faith. It's dangerous uh, indeed. I commend this latest article in the Daily Mail to you uh, by uh, a very considerable military expert who basically tells us uh, that it, they're all lying to you. 
that uh, this cannot end uh, in any kind of victory for Zelensky. So why are you giving more and more and more powerful weapons and uh, essentially seeking to fight to the last drop of Ukrainian blood? Uh, so dangerous indeed. But I wanted to ask you, Jackson, I think you're the man to ask this. In Britain, there's very little opposition uh, to this. It will grow uh, when the bills start coming in. Uh, but uh, I'm not kidding myself that uh, a majority or even a substantial minority of my own compatriots agree with me on this. But I get the feeling that there's more opposition in the United States than there is in Britain and maybe elsewhere in Europe too. I'm seeing figures, you know, on the right, uh, like uh, Tucker Carlson, for example, like Candace Owens, uh, and uh, others that you might say vaguely of the Trump uh, persuasion, though not Trump himself, at least not yet. Uh, that's a significant section of the American population. Am I misreading that? You're not misreading that. In fact, Trump's base, which was, uh, you know, primarily uh, made up of uh, notably uneducated uh, white college males, in a poll that was released just yesterday, uh, the majority of them that were polled say that they do not support the U.S. intervening in this conflict between Russia and Ukraine at the moment. So, no, you're not mistaken uh, in, in making that assessment. And I'm seeing more and more people as the impacts of this conflict hit home in America, uh, you know, speak out against what is going on. They, the American people want peace. Uh, they want peace between Russia and Ukraine. And we all know that the only way that that's going to happen is if Ukraine guarantees to neutrality, removes foreign weaponry from their country, and stops the slaughtering of civilians in Donetsk and Luhansk. Uh, but what's really, really interesting is just yesterday I was driving around. I live in downtown Los Angeles. Gas prices are soaring here. $6.45, I believe it was, at the pump at my nearest gas station. There's no way that you know, these implications continue to uh, be exacerbated here in the United States. Uh, and we continue to see efforts from Congress and the White House to send billions and billions and billions of dollars uh, to the Ukrainian military, which is filled with neo-Nazis and not have the American public speak out, not be outraged. We are going to see more of this in the coming uh, days and weeks and months, um, assuming this uh, conflict doesn't come to an end. And uh, I think that American politicians should be worried because as of right now, they have the fog of war to protect them. But that's only going to last so long. Yes, uh, the fog of war is, of course, uh, thick, but it eventually clears. Uh, it clears when all the things that you predicted and said uh, turn out to be false. Uh, it, it clears when the fake videos and pictures that you're publishing uh, get debunked. I saw one uh, today uh, of a building on fire in Belgrade in 1999, uh, depicted as being in Kiev in 2022. They forget that we can search uh, these pictures. The Russian general, whose death was announced with full panoply, is alive and kicking. Uh, the ghost pilot and so on. 
Uh, all these lies are being more and more quickly debunked, and uh, a war which you said Russia was losing, it is in fact winning. So, you know, facts will eventually intrude and push their way through that fog, won't they? They definitely will, you know. Um, and the biggest lie of all that's been told throughout this entire, uh, you know, conflict is that Russia started this whole mess. That couldn't be further from the truth. Like Putin or don't like him, he's been very restrained over the past eight years in particular since the U.S. helped lead a coup against the democratically elected government in Ukraine. In fact, Putin even at multiple occasions tried to bring peace to the region uh, through adherence of the Minsk Accords. That's something that, the Ukra that Ukraine and the United States didn't want to have happen because they knew that it would be an end to the arms flow uh, into Ukraine. They knew it would mean an end of their puppet government in Ukraine being uh, weaponized against Russia and so on and so forth. So uh, I'm very worried about the uh, future of this conflict because, again, if not now, when we see that civilian casualties are taking place in Ukraine, if not over the past eight years, when the U.S. and uh, the Ukrainian military were using uh, Ukrainian people as cannon fodder, when will the Ukrainian government and when will the U.S. and allied powers across uh, the West decide that, yes, peace is more worthwhile uh, than the continuation of this conflict? for, say, more, uh, you know, more control over Ukraine right on Russia's doorstep. Well, I wouldn't hold my breath uh, for that, Jackson. Uh, it's my uh, advice from an old man to a young one, uh, because uh, that might never come. Uh, lastly, if, if I may, uh, are there, how many American people, to what extent are the American people aware of just how personal Ukraine is for the upper ranks, echelons of the Democratic Party in America. How many people know that the Biden family themselves have made a fortune out of Ukrainian business? How many people know that uh, Cabinet Secretary uh, John Kerry's stepson is making a fortune out of, uh, of Ukraine? How, how do, do people know uh, that the Democrats are up to the neck in the corrupt oligarchy in Kiev? I think a lot of people are aware of this, especially uh, Republicans and independent voters here in the United States, because we saw the corruption on full display when it was made public that, uh, you know, Joe Biden's son got a job at Burisma, I believe it was $80,000 a month. Yeah. And he has no qualifications to work at this uh, natural gas firm he was working at, the Ukrainian natural gas firm. And um, when Biden was pressed about, you know, how is it that your son got this job? He said, well, he's a smart guy and didn't really have anything else to say. It was clear corruption. It was exposed by the press. Uh, we also know that Victoria Nuland was deeply involved in the overthrow of the democratically elected government. Jeffrey Piat, uh, you know, Chris Murphy, list goes on and on. John McCain. Uh, the American public understands what is going on here. Uh, the question is whether or not they will be able to see through, again, this fog of war that is telling them right now that the number one priority they should have is uh, an ending to the Rus Russian escalation 
which I would argue is the only thing that, unfortunately, at this point in time, uh, can possibly bring about peace, given the fact that, again, there have been peace negotiations led by Russia uh, for almost a decade now, and that's gotten us nowhere as of yet. Jackson, I predict that your uh, show uh, will continue to grow and grow, the dive, uh, because it's, it's more and more important at times like this that independent voices are heard. So I wish you the very best. I urge everyone uh, to look at the show, and once they've looked at it once, you'll go back for more. Jackson Hinkle, thanks for joining us on Thank you. the mother of all talk shows. We've got a call from Alaska. Better take it. Alaska, Laura. Laura, welcome to the show. Laura, are you there? Ah, we've lost Laura. That is a pity. Let me go to the social media. Uh, ABQ says, disarm, no. Every country should have its defense. If anything, the Ukraine war tells us that we have to defend ourselves. No one else will. Neutralized, yes. Expanding NATO is the biggest threat of world war. When a bloc becomes too strong, they start feeling entitled to others' resources. And Bronan says, if that's what the Ukrainian people want, then yes, but they don't appear to. Oh, well then. Uh, Waldny Dutch says, if Zelensky had made the bold decision a few weeks ago to take advantage of his country's unique position and strive for neutrality with security assurances from all sides, then Ukraine wouldn't be in this mess. Instead, he risks dragging the international community into World War III. And Wapao says, if that's the only way to denazify Ukraine, then yes. Graham says, a neutral Ukraine provides security for both sides. In addition, given they accepted that special and unique position, Ukraine would be in a great position to benefit from investment from both sides whilst maintaining their Russian culture. Win, win. Laura's back in Alaska. Go ahead, Laura. Have we lost her again? We've got a problem with Alaska. Calling Alaska. And uh, Jay Jones says, always add another option, George, especially for such a question. But you see, when you've got three options, the algorithms get to work and it gets fewer responses. Oliver says, all this could have been prevented. NATO and America poisoned their minds with a catastrophic ideology. Now people are dying. The EU economy has been destroyed. Inflation and recession in the announcement. If America doesn't get the most out of all of this, I don't know who else will. And Matt says, to suggest any of the border states is a threat to nuclear-armed Russia is nonsense. It's not the states that are a danger to nuclear-armed Russia, Matt, you plank. It's American nuclear weapons in those states that are the threat to Russia. Ernest says Ukraine needs to understand that they are not so important to the US, EU and NATO. They are easily disposed of if and when needed. They are just puppets in a much larger game played by the West. Let me go to the next guest of the evening, who is Kevork Almasian, who is an Armenian-Syrian 
who is the founder of Syriana Analysis, a political commentator and an expert in Syrian affairs. Kevork, thanks for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. I just wanted to uh, make some comparisons. Uh, the uh, NATO powers uh, have been starving uh, the people of Syria for a decade. Uh, they have regularly bombarded it with uh, cruise missiles. In fact, the only time the American media was in love with Donald Trump was when he was firing what they uh, almost orgasmically described as his beautiful weapons raining down on uh, Syrian cities. And, of course, America's main ally, Israel, bombs Syria at will, usually at, uh, in the middle of the night, and nobody cares about it. Nobody does anything about it. The NATO powers have bankrolled and weaponized and propagandized for the worst people in all humanity, the coat, uh, throat-cutting, head-chopping, uh, alphabet soup of Islamist extremism that tore Syria to pieces. You must see all this as a bit uh, hard to take, all this coverage of Ukraine. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. George, thank you very much, first of all, for having me on your show. It's really a pleasure. Uh, to be honest, I'm not surprised at all with the hypocrisy and the double standards of the Western corporate mainstream media. And that is why uh, for a, almost a decade, uh, me and other people, we are working independently on social media outlets in order to shed the light on the other side of the story, whether it's in Syria, whether it's Ukraine. And I also do work on Armenia and Azerbaijan conflict and Palestine and other regional uh, uh, files, right? However, we have to always follow the money. Where's the money coming from uh, for these media outlets? For example, in Germany, we have these state-funded media and also some uh, media outlets that are also funded by millionaires or some political parties, right? So each side has its own political interests. So in my opinion, we shouldn't expect much from uh, uh, the Western mainstream media outlets. They will never change a course. They will always have um, their, as you mentioned, fantasies about destroying uh, what do they call third world countries, or recently they are calling us uh, uncivilized countries. 
And um, ironically enough, uh, I am one of the people who fled uh, Syria in uh, 2015, when half my city, half of my city Aleppo, was occupied by Al Qaeda, uh, Al Nusra Front. They tried to snipe me twice, and they kidnapped my brother. So. Uh, for them, I am the uncivilized uh, person, uh, right? And comparing to the new refugees that are coming from Ukraine, and I'm not seeing anything uh, negative about the refugees. All the refugees, uh, especially nowadays from Ukraine, whether they are fleeing to Russia or fleeing to the other European countries, they deserve protection. However, this racist approach that the media now adopted um, in regarding the uh, refugee crisis in Ukraine, it has it has goals. They want to achieve some goals, right? The first goal is to convince the European public that, look, guys, these are uh, Europeans with blue eyes and blonde hair, so they're not, they're, they are civilized. They are different from the uncivilized people like myself, that I came from the Middle East. So we have to accept a few uh, hundred thousand uh, refugees because of the, uh, especially in Germany, there was a blowback or a uh, increase of populism in Germany and other uh, European countries after the refugee crisis, right? And the second goal is uh, they are trying to uh, mobilize the ultranationalists in Europe by adopting this racist approach because they want to uh, convince or uh, urge some uh, brainless uh, people here in Europe, those who are very radical, to go and fight in Ukraine. And those who are going and will fight in Ukraine are going to fight against the Russians, of course. And in my opinion, the European political elite, they don't really care at the moment uh, if these ultranationalists or neo-Nazis are going to Ukraine to fight against the Russians. They only care about repelling the Russian attack on, on Ukraine and, uh, and, and, and create a, make a quagmire for uh, Russians in Ukraine in order to bring a resistance like they did in Afghanistan. And this could lead into years of infighting there. And this is not in the interest of Russia. Russia wants to finish uh, these operations quickly. Uh, however, the European Union and the Americans, they know that by supporting these ultranationalists, and especially there are neo-Nazi uh, brigades in, 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 uh, in Ukraine, they will create a situation where Russia is stuck there for years, and this will exhaust the economy of Russia, and it could bring the end of uh, uh, the Russian dream to become a Eurasian power again, because all this conflict in Ukraine is, uh, I mean, just put everything the media is telling you in the recycle bin. It's just like, it's like rubbish. Uh, everything is happening in Ukraine is in order to um, block the Russian access into the Eurasian, uh, into Eurasia, because without Ukraine, Russia becomes a regional Asian power. And this is uh, well illustrated by Brzezinski in his book, The Grand, the Grand Chessboard. Therefore, their priority is to uh, keep Russia as a, as a regional Asian country and to cut all the aspirations or block all the aspirations of uh, whether it's Putin or not Putin to become a superpower again. For Unfortunately, for the NATO countries, they cannot accept Russia to be a partner. Uh, they are so arrogant that they don't accept China, Russia, and other increasing or growing powers to become part of the international community. They want to keep controlling the resources of the world, number one, and also the decision-making of the international system. Quite so, uh, I'm sure. Um, let's talk about Germany, uh, if we can. Uh, the, let me get this right. Germans are being encouraged to uh, arm themselves 
much more heavily than they have ever been before and march through Poland to fight Russians. What could possibly go wrong with that? What happened in Germany, uh, even in the last week, uh, because it's only 10 days ago that Russia was being uh, routinely attacked in other Western media for not allowing weapons uh, to go from, uh, not only from its own country, but not even allowing other countries to fly over Germany to deliver weapons. It sent helmets. Now it's just sent thousands of Stinger missiles. Again, yeah. I say, what could possibly go wrong? But what happened in Germany to change the state's position? George, for 16 years under uh, the reign of Angela Merkel, uh, although Merkel was heavily embedded with NATO, but at the same time, uh, she never pursued a, a hostile policy into this extent against Russia, right? Uh, she was trying to balance the uh, relationship with Moscow because of uh, the national interest of the German people, especially when it comes to the energy sector, right? Now, in Germany, you have a new coalition. Uh, the Social Democrats and the Greens are more NATO than the NATO itself. Uh, it's ironic, like it, it just two decades ago, the Greens were lobbying against the uh, NATO and now they are like incredibly warmongers in, in Germany and they call themselves the Greens. This is very unfortunate situation. The, 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 the funny enough, the only political party that has made clear that they don't want to send weapons to uh, Ukraine or urge uh, the, as I mentioned, the brainless people, these radical ultranationalists to go to Ukraine is the opposition party alternative for Germany that is a far right, uh, a far right party. Even even the left party in, in Germany, they are divided and they are condemning uh, clearly and only um, Russia, without giving any context to this uh, conflict. And I'm saying this with um, with a pain in my chest because I was born and raised in a left-wing family, and uh, I don't find myself a place here in the left-wing uh, scene in Germany because most of them have become imperialists more than the imperialists themselves. Now. It, it, by sending weapons and ammunition and all these stingers into Ukraine, as I mentioned, it will not only create a quagmire, but it will create a nest for the radical fascists to the neo-Nazis to march from Europe into Ukraine. They did similar mistake in Afghanistan in late 70s and early 80s. They armed the Mujahideen. And then they did similar mistake in um, Syria. They armed uh, the Mujahideen. And we can see now Idlib is the largest safe haven for al-Qaeda terrorists in the entire world. And two of the last ISIS leaders were hiding in Idlib. And until this moment, Germany is sending money to Idlib. Uh, and they say it's humanitarian help. They're sending to the so-called white helmets, etc. And we all know how this uh, money could be robbed by the radicals because every time the Europeans or the Americans were sending weapons to the so-called moderate rebels, uh, the Free Syrian Army, the weapons were ending in the hands of ISIS and Al-Qaeda. They were either selling them 
uh, to these two terrorist groups or these terrorist groups because they are the most powerful groups in Syria. They were taking over these weapons. And the same thing could happen in Ukraine because Azov and the national militia and other neo-Nazi groups, they are very strong. Let's remember in 2014 when the Russian-backed separatists, they were advancing from Donetsk, uh, they, they, they were pushed back by the neo-Nazis and the uh, the Ukrainian army collapsed in 2014 in the southern part of Ukraine, and they were the neo-Nazis who pushed back the Russian-backed uh, separatists. And between 2014 and 2019, exactly, if you go to the German media, you will see lots of video reportages about the neo-Nazis, and they're calling them neo-Nazis, right? But now, in 2022, when the war erupted, uh, they're calling this a conspiracy theory or a Russian misinformation campaign. Well, I've, uh, I've actually, Kavork, I've got all of those front pages and all of those features on my telephone. The New York Times, The Guardian, The Times, The Sunday Times, The Daily Mail, uh, uh, the German uh, press, the Canadian press. Over the last eight years, all of these outlets have explicitly covered what they call, not me, they call neo-Nazi, far-right, extreme-right organizations. Now, if you put up a picture of these groups holding their swastikas on Facebook, you'll be banned. Yes. It's unbelievable what has happened. Amazon, apparently, is selling online the merchandise of the Azov Battalion, named by every one of those publications and media houses that I have just adumbrated as a Nazi organization. You can sit at home and shop on Amazon buying the insignia, the merchandise of a Nazi organization. Has the world gone mad? George, the founder of the um, uh, the neo-Nazi group Azov, in uh, I think it was in 1999 or 2000, he said clearly that the mission of Azov is to wage um, the last crusade uh, war by collecting the white people. I'm paraphrasing him. He wants to wage a white crusader war against the Semite-led uh, uh, international community. Also, they are. It's it's not only racist. They are using the same literature of Hitler, and by doing so. You know, the ideolo ideologies during war times are very important. And what made ISIS and Al-Qaeda, for example, persist in their war is their ideology because they believe in a, in a grand cause. And they also believe in a grand cause, these neo-Nazis. And they will be the ones who will fight till the end against the Russians. So we may see the collapse of the Ukrainian army again. And let's remember, the neo-Nazis are embedded with the Ukrainian army. They're not like separate militia that they're fighting separately. No, they're fighting together. In 2015, I was in Donetsk, and the neo-Nazi groups and the Ukrainian army, they were jointly bombing the hell out of Donetsk. The only place that was safe in Donetsk in 2015, I remember, was the hotel that we were uh, uh, staying in because it was a hotel dedicated for the journalists, and it was the place that they were not bombing. So for... Eight years, the neo-Nazis and the Ukrainian army were bombing Donetsk and Logansk regions, like Donbas. Over 13,000 people died. 
I haven't seen a single person changing uh, his uh, social media uh, uh, profile photo into I stand with Donbass or I stand with the people there. They were targeted because they are ethnic Russians or because they speak Russian. It's, not, it's, it's, it's blatant racism against the people there. I received lots of messages by people in Donetsk and Logansk and by people who are half Russian and half Ukrainian. And they say after the revolution in, or the so-called revolution in Ukraine, we cannot speak uh, uh, freely that we are Russian or we can't even speak Russian freely in the streets because we are being harassed, we're being targeted by the neo-Nazis and not only that, the government in Ukraine is regulating new laws and regulations against them, depriving them their right to speak their language, depriving them from their political parties, etc. So this is a state-sponsored fascism in Ukraine. And unfortunately, um, the so-called civilized world is now siding with this uh, uh, government. And look, George, I don't, I'm not making any excuses for the Russian invasion. I would call it an invasion. I would call it against international law. But... At the same time, it's not unprovoked. Those who say it is just an unprovoked attack that uh, Putin just woke up in the morning and decided to attack Ukraine, they're crazy. They're trying to simplify political affairs into extent that they think we are sheep because they want to portray things white and black. No, Russia deserves to be respected and they should respect its national security. And that means NATO should stop its entrenchment into the east on the borders with uh, with Russia, and they should sign uh, on a security deal that respects the national security of Russia, and Russia should respect the uh, the territorial integrity of its neighboring countries, and that's how you can create a, a regional and lasting peace. But NATO is, till the moment, they insist to enlarge, enlarge, enlarge. I mean, what, how can you, how, what do you expect from a president uh, like Putin or any other president? Let's suppose Russia is installing his missiles again in Cuba or in Canada. The United States will invade this country in a matter of minutes. And all these people that are now uh, uh, peace-loving people that they claim themselves, they will be with the United States. So for me, they, they are not humanitarian activists. They are political activists wearing this jacket of the humanitarian... Some of them, yeah. Some of them are yeah. just fools that might uh, eventually see the light. Kavork, it's been wonderful talking to you. You're some talker, I must say. Well done. Uh, for coming on the mother of all talk shows. How's the poll doing? My goodness, that's a big number. Uh, is the future a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free Ukraine? On Twitter, yes, 56, no, 44. I don't know what the 44 think. But on YouTube, 84, yes, and 16, no. And on Telegram, 91, yes, and 9, no. Let's go to the calls. Uh, who are inundated with them. Esther is in Ayrshire in Scotland. E Esther. Good evening, sir. Nice to talk to you. What would you like to say? Uh, yeah. Yes, good evening, everyone. Um, okay, I don't... I, I need you to help me out with this one, uh, George. I don't understand why uh, the normal Russian civilians, people who've got shops in Britain, people who the kids go to school in Britain, why are they? I'm, I'm hearing stories of kids have been bullied, uh, with to boycott the shops. Now, I, I, I don't know if I'm wrong in thinking this, if it's right thinking this. No, it's definitely but happening. Why are, no, uh, it's why happening. are normal Russian civilians yeah, being well, targeted? You might why? Say, you might say. Is it, is it to? I mean, I saw, um, is it, is it so I, they all rise up against Putin? Is that, well, is I that saw the. Thing? I saw. Well, they'll not be able to do that from Ayrshire. 
I, you know, I, I saw uh, N'Golo and Kante, the wonderful Chelsea footballer, uh, being interviewed today. Uh, he's a footballer. Uh, mm -hmm. He happens to play for Chelsea. I don't know if he knows anything at all about politics mm -hmm. and about politics in Eastern Europe, but he was yeah. mercilessly interrogated uh, about his <laughs> views on Ukraine because Abramovich, who's put the club up for sale in any case, uh, is a former Russian. He's now an Israeli, as it happens. But restaurants yeah. and shops have been attacked for sure, and mm -hmm. children have been bullied for Sure. Uh, it's, uh, Is it's, that right? Uh, Is that wrong? Uh, well, uh, I mean, what kind of person would think it was right? But mm -hmm. when you're cancelling uh, Dostoevsky, <laughs> and that's, yeah. that's at the top of the intellectual cultural tree, uh, what do you expect to happen down mm -hmm. on the, the streets of New York, yeah. where Russian mm -hmm. restaurants have been torched, and, and in Germany, mm -hmm. uh, where people are having that dreaded word, the Rouse, R-A-U-S, oh. scrawled on their doors, as happened, of course, in the 1930s to mm. Jewish people. It is, uh, it is um, well, it certainly wakes you up to how far we've got to go, Esther, before we <laughs> built the new man and the new woman. Thanks for the call. Got to go to New York, where Corombo is. Corombo, welcome. Corombo, welcome. Yeah, good afternoon, George, because to us here it's afternoon now. Yes, good afternoon, sir. How are yes, you? Good afternoon, sir. Yeah, I want to talk about a few things. Uh, Zelensky's human rights violations, which the West cannot see. You know, it's pity to see a whole president banning civilians from fleeing the, 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 the war or the, milit the, the Russian military peacekeepers' operation in his country. That's tantamount to just sentencing them to death. You know, you can't do that. Even the most heinous leaders, the West, branded as terrorists, they never did that to so say, oh, because the West is invading, so they will stop their own citizens from leaving their country, from, from saving their own lives. In, in fact, some you of know, them, some of them have been shot. Yes, and now when they, when they attack, when, when they take up arms, they go in their apartment or they go to the street when they shoot them, they take the, the gun out, then they say, oh, civilians have been killed. If you follow in the Western media, you never heard of Ukrainian armed men or rebels or Nazis being killed. All the civilians they, they portray. Just the same way they were doing Israel, uh, Syria, Syria attack. Always civilians they portray, they kill. They never claim they kill rebels or they kill this. So that's one. Well, that is uh, that is one of the dangers of uh, turning over weapons to people. First of all, they can't necessarily use them properly. Secondly, they might fall into the hands of gangs and criminals who murder each other and other people with. Uh, but uh, I have no doubt that uh, that there are civilian casualties in this war. Uh, there are civilian casualties in every war. Uh, there are no precision weapons in any war. And we have seen vast numbers of civilian casualties in Afghanistan from drone attacks by the United States even after the war had finished. So it's inconceivable that there are no uh, civilian casualties 
in Ukraine. Uh, Russia has invaded. It's not a special military operation, as it was called at the beginning. It is an invasion. Uh, but it is an invasion, as uh, Kavort just told us, that was provoked, that was intended uh, by those who provoked it. And it may be uh, that it was uh, to forestall uh, a massacre of the people in the Donbass. Uh, one of the stories that I've read is that uh, this Russian invasion began one day before uh, the Ukrainian armed forces were about to make a mass attack uh, on the civilian population of the Donbass. So uh, no one should, uh, you know, sanitize this war. This war needs to come to an end as quickly as possible, immediately. And as I started out by saying, Russia's demands uh, are minimal. They are absolutely normal for a superpower. They're exactly what the United States would demand of Mexico or Canada, uh, that it must be at least neutral, if not actually in their camp, uh, that it must not have foreign weapons uh, on its soil, uh, that it must not allow a foreign-led military alliance to change its regime and come to power. Uh, with a new regime. Do you see where I'm going, Corombo? Thanks for that. Let's go to Malcolm in Edinburgh. Go ahead, Malcolm. Uh, yeah, hi, George. I saw an article today, and it, it had a headline that the equivalent of Russia invading Ukraine was a bit like the equivalent of England invading Wales. Now, I didn't go into that article and look into it. I just saw the headline. And I, I wouldn't thought, if I were you. It's too obscene for, uh, uh, for comparison, I think. Anyway, go on. Well, no, I, th I think the premise of the article would be that England would, you know, however strong Wales is you know, emotionally, they would probably fall fairly quickly. But then mm -hmm. I thought, let's put, a, let's put an angle on it in terms of if, if Wales was then to put in Russian nuclear weapons yeah, into Colwyn right. Bay and Swansea, then, then the, the question changes. Indeed. Uh, but a, a better uh, example might be this. Uh, because Wales is a part of Britain, so is Scotland, unless they became independent states, of course, when they would uh, potentially uh, be an existential military danger to the rest of this island. Uh, but let's say, uh, it's exceedingly unlikely, but let's say Sinn Féin in 2023 was the same as Sinn Féin 20 years ago, came to power in Ireland and invited Russia to bring nuclear weapons pointed at Britain. Do you think anybody would put up with that, Malcolm? No, I don't think they would. And I, and I think uh, you could pose the same question to the Americans and use Mexico and the Mexican border exactly. as another comparison of what happened exactly. in Cuba. What worries me now, George, is that, uh, you know, the media conversation has been closed. You've maybe got, um, you know, you've got a couple of people, maybe Jimmy Dore and the Duran talking about it, but everything has been shut down. So there is no rational conversation now. All we're seeing is women and children being killed and a disaster. I've been to 
Russia several times. I've been to Ukraine several times. I've even been to Moldova. There's two underlying things in that region from my eyes. Is number one is 95% of all those populations are wonderful people. They're genuine and they're nice people. And they're dictated, they're, 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 they're seen over by dictatorships and evil overlords. But the people in those countries, all of them are wonderful. Well said. Thanks, Markham. Uh, much appreciated. Is the future a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free Ukraine? You can vote on my Twitter feed, on my YouTube channel, and on my Telegram channel. Follow me, please, on Telegram, t.me forward slash George Galloway. Follow me on Patreon. And uh, if you are watching on my YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe uh, to it. Unbelievably, I've just heard from a, a member of my family that uh, their friend, a French girl, was chased down the road as a Russian. She's French, so she's foreign, so she might be Russian. So let's chase a girl down the road. How utterly horrific is that? Social media. Uh, all you need is love, says the Monroe Doctrine, means a disarmed Ukraine is the only peaceful way forward. Although Christopher Martin says, freedom for Ukraine, no compromise. Well, if there's no compromise, the war will go on, of course. Christopher, maybe that's what you want. Mohammed Aslam says we wouldn't be in this quagmire if uh, Jeremy Corbyn was at the helm. I suspect he'd have been overthrown in a coup by now. Uh, Edward Vasquez says, don't worry, the Ukrainians will sell those weapons to Al-Qaeda. And Aline says, I can't believe that a comedian will lead the whole world to a deathly war. Now, this one's above my mathematical pay grade. It's from George Hanlon. World War I, start date, 28-7-1914. 28 plus 7 plus 19 plus 14 equals 68. World War II, start date of the Second World War, 1st of the 9th, 1939. 1 plus 9 plus 19 plus 39 equals 68. World War III, start date of the Liz Trust comments, that provoked the Russian attack on the Ukraine, 24 to 2022. I don't know what the last bit means, but the first bit is actually quite interesting, if true. Batch says West is doing serious mistakes by punishing individual Russians. And George says, don't forget the EU have even gone after disabled Russian athletes. Kicking paraplegic athletes out of their wheelchair. How big is that? And Michael Calvi <clears throat> says, but you backed Britain against Scotland, you mad hatter. <laughs> you can always rely on an embittered Scottish nationalist to take the high road. Um, and Scott McCampbell says they should make a whole corridor of disarmament in Eastern Europe. Shaney says, otherwise arm Mexico, Cuba, Venezuela, 
and then see how the USA reacts. And John Smith says, you're a prick, glory to Ukraine. Thanks for that, John. That added greatly uh, to the debate. Uh, have I got, oh, I've got some calls I better take, sorry. Joyce is in Michigan. Go ahead, Joyce. Well, I just wanted to thank you for telling the truth because I don't get a lot of that over here in America. <laughs> uh, I bet you don't get much of it here in Britain either, Joyce. Yeah. <laughs> Are you, uh, uh, so. uh, what's your take on things? Are you worried we're going to be in a war? Nuclear? European? Maybe well, World War Three? Kind of, but I, I know we're in a war now because, I mean, even though they say we're not in a war, America's, you know, putting all their stock into Ukraine and uh, lying everywhere. And, yeah, I worry. I've got you're a lot right. of children. You're right to worry. Any of us who have got children and grandchildren uh, ought to worry. <laughs> Joyce, thanks for the call. Lovely yeah. to hear from you. Jeff is in Northamptonshire. Let's hear from him. Jeff, welcome. Good evening, George. How are you? By the grace of God, good. Thank you. Go ahead. Excellent. Excellent. What I want to say is, is, yeah, but our children and grandchildren aren't being told the truth. They're not allowed to see the truth. It's, it's a real, uh, it's really sad that when I had discussions with people that don't uh, follow um, situations around the world, they, they don't actually understand uh, that Russia don't want weapons on their border. And when I put that point to people, how would you like it if suddenly on the Isle of Wight um, the Russians land in there? That it's it's just everything's being cut off. RT's gone. Yeah, I just, you may not like RT, but it gives you a different perspective. Yeah, it's, it not, it's you... not really gone, uh, Jeff. You can get it easily, but I take your point. Uh, it's not on Sky anymore. Uh, yeah, so it, I, you've got to take certain steps in order to watch it. You're right. And we've now got we've now got a one-party state in this country, Jeff. Uh, we've yes, got no, uh, we've got two parties in parliament, two cheeks yeah. of the same arse. That, we've yes, got uh, we've got uh, I don't know how many television channels, but they're all shooting the same breeze. Um, we've yeah. got how many newspapers, and they're all publishing the same stuff. Yeah. So but, uh, but how no, is that not a dictatorship? It, it, it's propaganda. But the problem is, is that if you if you look at your history, West Ukraine, West Ukraine had the, uh, I can't remember, the lunatic that was actually beaten to death by Poles after World War II. He, he had a West Ukraine battalion who were Nazis that were, uh, and they had convicts in there as well. Sure. And they, they were killing East Ukrainians. Uh, but, yeah, but they were killing point, Polish Jews. They were killing Ukrainian yes, Jews. They were killing yes, partisans yes, from both yes. countries. They are out and out Nazis. Nazis. And guess what? There is a major avenue in the middle of Kiev named yes. after him. And guess what is there? Google it and yes. see. IKEA. IKEA address is Stepan Bandera Avenue. Thank IKEA. Yeah. Look up the history of IKEA and see how piquant it is that it should be located in an avenue called after a Jew killer, Stepan Bandera. You really couldn't make it up. Jeff, thanks for that call. 
You got my blood going there. Let's hear from Paul in Plymouth. Go ahead, Paul. Uh, hello, George. I was just wondering what happened to the agreement that NATO wouldn't move one inch to the to the east. It's been broken uh, comprehensively, yeah. absolutely yeah. brazenly, without so much as uh, as a blush. Yeah. Well, I was in the Royal Irish Regiment, uh, and I was in Iraq, and we basically killed people for nothing and Blair was to blame and I'm just wondering why he hasn't been brought up to criminal uh, court yet. Well it is funny isn't it uh, Paul you'll feel this even more strongly than the rest of us having been sent there on a pack of lies that yeah. they, they want to put Putin on trial uh, for war crimes but Tony Blair's getting a knighthood Oh yeah, well, well, that says it all, doesn't it? I'm just wondering. He is the biggest war criminal, him and Bush, that I know of. And I've, I was in Kosovo, Bosnia, and Iraq in the regiments, and we killed people, innocent people, for no reason whatsoever. That is a very, very powerful call, Paul, and I'm very grateful to you for making it. Let's go to Essex, where. Devon wants to talk about weapons and Russia. Go ahead, Devon. George, how you doing, mate? All right, Devin. brother, all David. right. I'm, I'm your mate, I'm your friend. Good to hear you, George. Look, I was going to say, God bless you, George, for being here on a Wednesday night. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much. I think, it's, I think people uh, want it. Uh, if yeah, I can, absolutely. It's a can, nice surprise. If I can put the, put the money together and get everyone to work, because they're obviously not going to work for nothing, uh, then no. I'll, I'll bring it back next week as well. We'll see. Maybe you can crowdfund, George, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I've tried that George, before, though. It I'll, didn't really work. But anyway, go on. I, I was going to bring you just up to date with what, what your monologue was about and stuff like that. Now, yeah. You know, I'm just Joe Bloggs from Essex in a little seaside town, George. Now, I knew, I knew that for the last eight years, Donbass had been bombed by Kiev um, forces. Um, can you hear me, George? Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I knew that was going on, George. Um, I, I knew the warnings before um, Russia uh, invaded. Now, I am sorry this has happened, and this is really sad. This is really sad, George, to see this going on. When you and I and a lot more of many, many other people see it, they knew it, they knew what was coming. OK, we didn't realise it was going to be to like this extent, but the, 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 the world and its people are, are making the biggest miscalculation. That's all what I've heard this week, George. Russia's miscalculated this, Russia's miscalculated that. The biggest miscalculation is the mainstream media telling us lies, George. Now, we are in a state where I am anxious. Um, you know, I'm not paranoid, but I am anxious. Yeah, that's and exactly right. You're right to be anxious, but not paranoid. Uh, that's exactly where you should be. Yes. I think if you're up to date with current affairs, like I said the other day, you know, you, you, you can't avoid what, where we're at. Now... The Europeans handing out weapons like they're sweets. Yeah. Now, I remember in 1979, um, I, 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 I was only young, but I remember the, 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 the Russian and Afghanistan War, 1979 to 1989. At the end of that war, at, at, at the end of that war, it was heavily financed, funded and armed by the CIA, uh, Saudi Arabia and Pakistani. Russia, exactly right, yeah. Russia, from what I know, George, remember, Joe Bloggs 
South End, obviously, little seaside town. From what I know about Russia, they will not allow that to happen again. Putin will not allow that to go on again. No, that's now, right. He's not Yeltsin. Devon, he's not Yeltsin. They loved Yeltsin. They hate Putin because Putin is not Yeltsin. He's not going to allow his country to be robbed blind by foreign countries and oligarchs that ship the billions out of Russia, and he's not going to accept uh, Western diktat uh, on foreign policy. That's why they hate him, Devon. It's a shocking state of affairs, George, when you can't have a property anywhere in London if you're Russian, and you just spoke about the girl there, who's got chased down the road. I mean, yeah. what type of state of affairs are we in there? How did it go from, like, you know, Russia being, like, OK, the bad guy, as they always have been portrayed, Russia aggression, and OK, they've always been like that. But now it's, it's hate, George, for, for Russia. It is, it is. It's, uh, it's uh, 1984. It's uh, Emmanuel Goldstein. It's five oh. minutes of rage and hate, except it's yeah. far longer than five minutes. But you and I are of an age, we can remember the, the Moscow Dynamo touring the country. We can remember the, Yuri Gagarin, the first man in space, touring the country. We can remember, we, we weren't alive, but our parents were, uh, and told us how close our military alliance was in the Second World War and how vital the contribution made by Russia in the Second World War. It is a terrible state of affairs, Devon. Thanks for the right. call, brother. I, I loved uh, hearing from you. Simon is in London. Go ahead, Simon. Hi, George. How are you doing? You okay? Okay, yeah. Lots of calls to get through. So let's everyone yeah. be brief. Yeah, basically, um, I just wanted to pick up on Esther's point earlier on, the, the call you had with regards to kids being bullied. Yeah. Anyone with the, I would like to go further, anyone with the opposite opinion is being bullied. I got literally called a neo-Nazi or Nazi but literally pointing out, not even defending Russia or defending Ukraine, just said, be careful the symbology that you're waving. Be careful people who are waving the Ukrainian flags without understanding the basic history, uh, history of this. And I put it on my, on my website. I think you mentioned one of your guests last, year, uh, last, last week on, on Sunday mentioned Ukraine on fire. Well, I put that documentary on my website. That was that, the Oliver Stone film, yeah? The Oliver Stone film, yes. Very good documentary. It kind of Made by one of the world's fire. greatest film directors. Yes, and because of that, I was called a neo-Nazi, and I was told all sorts of things. I've actually lost three or four friends today as a result of that. I've had to block them off my LinkedIn profile. But it's just kids that are being bullied. It's adults who've got the opposite opinion being bullied as well. So I think we are truly living in a fascist empire. A lot of, and this is another thing, George. One thing that LinkedIn, for example, bans is political commentary, or certainly should. You know, there's people on LinkedIn now posing with guns. These guys have never been to war. They've never killed anyone. They seem to think it's easy to have blood on their conscience without realizing that hundreds of thousands of British and American troops, as well as countless civilians, have suffered life-changing injuries and trauma that, that, that will make them never make them the same again, as I said. And yet they're posing with guns, thinking it's somehow cool and thinking it's somehow it's really good to do that, you know? It's so irresponsible. It's, it's really, really... Well, it makes you despair, uh, Simon. I, I have uh, several times this week been in despair about the, the capacity for madness amongst my own people, uh, the, the sheep-like... Uh, um, following of the herd, uh, the, 
the I don't know how to describe it. It's well, would, so brainless, go, so mindless, so no, thoughtless. You're absolutely right. I would go as far as to say it's like football hooliganism. It's nothing but football hooliganism. It's like we've got a team, they've got a team, and it's not... I mean, war isn't football. War isn't a football match, and yet some of the things I've seen, the banners that have been held, saying, oh, yeah, Putin must be made to pay, and yet they don't even understand the politics. They don't even understand anything about the... No, they don't understand the politics, and they don't understand the military uh, reality, as uh, Roggio in the Daily Mail points out this evening. Uh, the, yeah. the military reality is the complete opposite of what most yeah. people have been led to believe. Namely, that, uh, that uh, the, the Ukrainians are winning, the Russians are losing, they're running out of petrol, and their generals are being killed, and their airplanes are being shot out of the sky. It's all balder dash, Simon. That's just, just yeah, you're absolutely right. And just a quick question: I know they've kind of taken Russia today off uh, off air. Is every single satellite in the UK unable to pick that up? In, yeah, you can only get it. I mean, we'll try and get you before the end of the show how people can watch it. I'm watching it because I've got a VPN, well, I've, and I I've just tell well. I just tell them I'm in India, uh, and uh, India hasn't banned RT, so I can watch it. It's as simple yeah. as that. Uh, I paid, I think, $3 for the VPN. Uh, You can now watch it on Rumble, which I suspect will become the main platform. So it's not hard to get uh, RT. As I say, this is 2022. It's not 1952. Uh, You cannot silence voices. We're okay here at Moats because we're an independent uh, production here. Uh, we are uh, the mother of all talk shows goes back nearly 20 years uh, that I've been doing it. I've done it on talk sport, on talk radio. Uh, I've done it on uh, um, WBAI in New York. And now I'm doing it here. And so they, they can't touch us. So we'll be here every Sunday. And I hope at least for as long as necessary, also on uh, a Wednesday. Simon, thanks. Truly wonderful call. Uh, Pat is in Myrtle Beach. Go ahead, Pat. Yes, hi, George. I have a question. I just want your opinion. Yeah. You're yeah. my teacher. Okay, thank uh, you. The Golan Heights situation, if yeah. you look into uh, Genie Energy, do you, do you know about oh, Genie Energy? I know Energy? it very well, and there's some very interesting people are shareholders. In Genie Energy. That's what's concerning Including okay, Dick Cheney and Rupert Murdoch. Yes, of course. And it's the media, and that's Iraq, and it's, uh, the, that's the oil, and that's Halliburton. So then I, I, my son pointed out that there was uh, on YouTube, I could look up uh, Wesley Clark, and uh, he was saying, he's, you know, he's a general. He was first, first in his class from West Point, and he, and he was saying to the Pentagon, why are we going to Iraq? He was, and then didn't get answers and went back again, I think, a different time. Why are we going into Iraq? He didn't understand. Well, he, there was their seven-state thing. I mean, they were, they were talking about the United States going into, uh, they're going to go into Iraq, and then they're going to go into Libya. They're going to go to Syria. Um, and I'm thinking to myself, sitting in my little house here in Myrtle Beach, 
What's the what's the long range plan? It has to ha- it ha- has to have something to do with the, with energy, and what's going on in Russia and Ukraine? Yeah, I tie it all into energy. Well, they definitely provides- they would love to topple the Russian government and install as they did install uh, Yeltsin, and when he was lying drunk on the floor, they picked his pocket and they 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 robbed uh, Russia blind. And uh, they'd love a leader like that again. But even if they can't topple the Russian government, uh, then they want to make sure, as someone said earlier, Kavorka, I think, that Russia is not a Eurasian power. It's only an Asian one. That they couldn't bear the Nord Stream 2 pipeline uh, between Russia and Germany. Uh, They can't bear that Russia is supplying 47% of Germany's gas, 25% of the EU's gas. They can't accept it, Pat. That scares me, because where is this going? That's the part that scares me. That's what I wanted to know. Well, here's the good news. Because that's not going to be a short situation. Here's the good news, Pat. The United (laughs) States couldn't even defeat the Taliban. They got run out of town in the middle of the night by the Taliban on bicycles. The United States cannot and will not fight Russia or China because they know that they would lose. So the good news is that events are marching ineluctably in favor of the multipolar world. And the Europeans should get with the program. Uh, having all your eggs in the basket of Joe Biden is not a good idea. Joe will drop the basket and smash all the eggs. Pat, thanks (laughs) for the call in Myrtle Beach. Thank you. Now, thank you for the the information. Let me recap. My goodness, it's a record. 5,300 votes are in. Is the future a neutral, demilitarized, fascist-free Ukraine? On Twitter, a yes, 52 B, no, 48. On YouTube, yes, 84. No, 16. On Telegram, yes, 92. No, 8. How come all the smart people are on YouTube and on Telegram? Uh, Maybe they've been banned off Twitter. I can't believe I'm reading this. We've got new subscribers in Martinique, Fiji... Cambodia, Mauritius, and Georgia. That's not Georgia, USA, but Georgia in the Caucasus. And that means we now have subscribers in 130 countries. And we've been in the political top 10 in Russia, South Africa, Singapore, and the Philippines. And this actually is because our Maxwell the Monster podcast was released on all of our podcast platforms. So please subscribe wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Moats anytime, anywhere. And leave us, by the way, a five-star review if you would. Here's one. I listen in from Saudi Arabia and play your podcast on the commute to and from daycare. Not sure what my two-year-old gets out of it, but I certainly enjoy your perspective and the diversity of guests you have on. Thanks, Gigi. Thanks to you and to your two-year-old. Well, 
uh, one of my favorite commentators from the United States is up next. He is the one and only Garland Nixon, who is a former police officer, a retired police officer, and a member of the board of the American Civil Liberties Union. Uh, but none of that has stopped him being told to go home, although, as far as I know, he's actually American-born. Uh, none of that has stopped people uh, attacking him this week uh, as somehow an alien or foreign uh, who should uh, uh, either pipe down uh, or get out. Am I right, Garland? Welcome to the show. It's, uh, it's been quite a tumultuous week. Yes, it is. Thank you for inviting me. And actually, I'm no longer on the board of the, for about two months ago. I was on for many, many years, but I haven't been on for about two months ago of the okay. American Civil Liberties Union. But it's interesting um, that what, what you bring up because of the dynamic that's going on here in the United States due to um, the 24-hour media circus of um, propaganda. Um, and the issue here, I would say, is not ignorance of the facts. It's something much worse. Much. It's false certainty. It's yeah. people who believe the opposite of reality, and they're certain that that's true. I agree with you. Uh, there, there, there are stupid people, of course, in every country. Uh, there are malignant people, uh, and there are that in every country, including Britain, America, Russia, Ukraine. Uh, but there's also a group of people in between who have become messianic, uh, on this subject. Uh, it's almost as if Tony Blair was leading them. I remember the period very well in the run-up to the war in Yugoslavia, in the run-up to the war in Iraq. There's a, a messianic uh, fervor about it all, at least here. What's it like there? Yeah, it's the same thing. They have, they're creating a uh, constant, um, uh, you know, push of beliefs that we are the good guys and that the Russians are the bad guys, you know, the blue team versus the red team kind of thing. And there are basically three things that are being pushed. I've been talking to people around asking questions, probing a bit. Three things that you have to believe right now if you're if you're an American and you're watching uh, the mainstream media. Number one, Russia's losing the war. They're getting beaten much worse than they could have ever had imagined. Uh, number two, the entire world supports the United States. And what I've asked people is, do you include South America? Do you include Africa? Do you include the Muslim world or China or India, the most two, two most populous countries on earth? And they just kind of, you know, look and the, the smoke comes out of their ears. And lastly, and this is very dangerous, people believe that there will be no economic fallout from the sanctions. When I bring that up and I say these sanctions are very dangerous, particularly in a globalist world, and this the economic fallout is going to be significant, I hear in a nonchalant manner. Oh, no, no, no. It's going to really hurt Russia, but it's, it's probably not going to bother us. And I think down the line, when people start feeling that pain, it's going to cause for a significant unrest. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's talk about that. The, the, for example, the banking sanctions have driven Russia out of the SWIFT and into the SIPS, C-I-P-S, the Chinese equivalent uh, of the SWIFT, thus dealing a major blow and an ongoing one uh, to the value of the dollar and the ability of the dollar to continue to be the world's reserve currency. Increasingly from now on, the Chinese currency will be the world's reserve currency, at least half the world, 
uh, maybe more than half the world. So the, the dollar is going to take a tanking. Uh, the price of gas, which was already vaulting exponentially before this crisis, um, our gas bill has more than doubled. Some people's gas bill has tripled uh, already before the impact of the sanctions. So if petrol and gas is doubling, tripling in price, how could that not create an economic crisis? Question then is, who will be blamed? Yeah. And, um, it, you know, regardless of who's blamed, it, you know, it will create unrest. It, the, it, you know, keep in mind that um, our economy has not reco recovered from the decisions that were made during COVID. And um, we are still experiencing highest, the highest inflation in the last 40 or 50 years right now. Gas prices are up. And our, um, our leaders, we know that they were warned by their economic advisors not to go too far with the economic sanctions. And it's possible that they have um, opened a Pandora's box that could spin out of control. I've been uh, monitoring the markets a bit of uh, metals, you know, zinc and copper and things of that nature, certainly wheat. And let's keep in mind, wheat is used in cosmetics. Wheat is used in um, various medi medications. So at this point, um, if we continue down this road, if they don't pull back on the sanctions um, regime that's being levied, uh, we have no idea how bad this could get. But, uh, you know, uh, the American people at some point, I think, will turn their attention from, OK, Vladimir Putin, the bad guy, to wait a minute, I can't afford a gallon of milk and a, and a, and a loaf of bread. And that's when our um, our leaders are going to, I think, pay a price. Now, I talked earlier to Jackson Hinkle. I was, I'm interested in this subject, and I'd love your take on it. Um, there seems to be more opposition uh, to NATO policy, to Biden's policy, in the United States than there is in Britain, never mind the rest of Europe. Even Ireland, Ireland has gone full tonto or NATO. Uh, Britain, the liberals, the centrists, the right wing, all the people that didn't believe anything the media told them over Brexit and other things are now, just, in, just like that, are believing everything the media tells them again. But in America, I sense uh, that there is a more serious opposition. You are correct. You know, what happened, and I think some of this happened during COVID. There were, you know, questions about the measures taken during COVID, about some of the draconian measures, and the inconsistency throughout the United States of the measures. And as you know, the U.S., uh, you know, the results were disastrous, um, and the, 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 you know, the death count and the, and the, and the case count was, was um, phenomenal here. So um, I think that created a um, class of people, if, I, if that's the right term, that are very um, that are reticent to accept the mainstream tropes that they get. And I think that has bled over into here. And it, yes, it is surprising the, you know, when I go on social media and um, when I talk to people that uh, more, it's much more than normal, much more than I would expect. A greater number of people are at least questioning the um, the mainstream narrative that this is just you know, that Vladimir Putin just woke up one day and decided to invade Ukraine and that we should not dig into the history. We should not question any of the things that we are being told. And there is a thirst for alternative media here. And I think that is something that our leaders are having a problem with. They're working hard to quell it, to squelch it, to censor it. But there is a, a, a powerful thirst here for alternative media.
Uh, the so-called left uh, are uh, gung-ho, and the so-called right are more skeptical. I saw Candace Owens earlier. I've been listening to Tucker Carlson. Uh, there's a... The, the, there's a kind of a cross-dressing going on, Garland. And a big part of that, I think, was the um, was RussiaGate. They created the dynamics for that with RussiaGate, so that anything involving Russia, when it comes to the Democratic Party, anything involving Russia, people were open to um, accept that the Russians were pure evil. You know, were pure evil. So whatever they did was going to be motivated by evil. The if I can say the good thing about it is the Democratic Party has been so bad over the last year that there are so many people um, both to the left of the party and the right of the party has abandoned them and don't trust them. The mistrust for Joe Biden and the lack of support for Joe Biden, I think, also is one of the reasons why people there are so many people questioning um, the, the Biden administration's arguments and positions on this particular um, operation. Finally, and thanks for your time, Garland, on this uh, midweek extra. Uh, how will this all affect the midterm elections, in your view? Well, here's what I think is going to happen, because the reality is this. At some point, if history is any indicator, here's an example. It took the United States, um, when they attacked Iraq, um, the illegal invasion of Iraq. It took about three weeks to get to Baghdad. I suspect that within three to four weeks, um, the Russians will have a conclusive advantage in Ukraine. Things will be different, and we will start to see things shake out. But the um, economic fallout, I think, is going to be the big, what's going to decide how things go in the future, both in Europe and here. And I think that when people start seeing the gas prices, the fuel prices, the lack of availability of some of the things, the products they're accustomed to, and of course, industry cannot run if it doesn't have zinc and nickel and all of these things that we don't think about Even every neon, day, the layoffs, uh, I was amazed that uh, Russia is the biggest exporter of neon. Yes. You know, in the end, it always doesn't it always come back to it's the economy, stupid people. There are people who are literally afraid right now. And I see that everywhere that, oh, no, I'm afraid of nuclear war. If that fear goes away, I think, and if the actual fighting comes to some level of conclusion, once that dissipates, it's going to be all about the economy because they're going to feel the economic effects. And as the summer goes on, I suspect they're going to get worse and the Democratic Party is going to face a historical wipeout. Imagine but Las not that the Republicans are any better. Imagine uh, Las Vegas without the neon. I said finally, but I can't let you go before asking you this. What did Nancy Pelosi mean when she stood behind Joe Biden rubbing her knuckles together? What's that about? You know, that's a good question. I looked at that and I'm like, I'm a, I, I was left with a question mark on my forehead also. I don't know what that means. But, you know, when I looked at the leadership of the United States, when I saw Kamala Harris and Joe Biden and, and Nancy Pelosi standing together, um, I just thought it's no wonder we're in such a disastrous position right now with a leadership so incompetent, so uh, comically incompetent and tragically incompetent. There's no way that uh, we can go in any other direction but, you know, straight down the t straight down the drain. Well, nobody could put it more powerfully than that. Garland Nixon, thank you for joining us on the mother of all talk shows. Uh, so the poll is still running. You've got, uh, what, 45 minutes or so to vote uh, on this, but let's take 
Elliot in Florida next. Go ahead, Elliot. Oh, uh, George, thank you for taking my call. Welcome, sir. Um, yes, uh, I'd like to see Garland, Nixon, and and on you, your 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 commentators today are just always so excellent. Brilliant. Um, yeah, all, all all our guests have been brilliant tonight. Yeah. I wanted to talk about, and I've talked to you about this before, the Hunter Biden connection yeah. uh, to Burisma and how that fits into the long-range plan um, that is now uh, led to, to war, actually. But before I do that, I can answer that question of what Nancy Pelosi was doing. Oh, please do. She had anticipated that he was going to make a, a comment. Uh, I saw the clip, and she was anticipating him making a comment about veterans and she was and she stood up to clap but then realized that he was talking about some something gross some burning of of flesh burning of uh, pits and and all that and she stopped halfway and stopped her clap and just uh, rubbed her hands together and he followed that (laughs) comment with the veterans and then she stood up and almost fell over herself to clap yeah, she she's better uh, before lunch. Uh, the, 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 the tell me more about this Borisma. See, I think this is an undertold story, Elliot. It is here we have because... the president's son, who was the vice president's son when it all happened. Uh, Joe Biden brings down the democratically elected government in Ukraine. He's up to his neck with Newland and all the other gang in bringing down the government, driving the president out. Meanwhile, his son is filling his boots uh, with money from Ukraine, supposedly doing a job that he, he has no more qualifications to do than my kid. Well, George, that's the narrative that most of the left that I listen to, most of the commentators have put forth, except uh, that it, it, it kind of obscures the more, the more sinister plan by the National Endowment for Democracy and the State Department uh, around, which was Hillary Clinton's plan from, from year when she was uh, uh, in, in, in the position, where she wanted to, to, to rest Ukraine and Western Europe away from Russian gas. And in a part of what uh, she was uh, planning to do was try to uh, convince Europe to get natural gas from the U.S. and from all other sources, even at a higher rate. And but when they when they overthrew the, the uh, government in Ukraine, they they needed a gas company there to to extract the gas and be a major gas supplier the gas reserves that are off the coast or in the in the in the waters off Crimea at which this was highlighted just recently by um uh, Kyle um Kyle um yeah Kyle what's his name uh, uh don't worry someone will suggest it don't worry yeah, where he played this video that they were the video was spinning uh, it as the Russians were looking at uh, uh, the reason for motive for their war was to get those gas reserves. When in actual fact, Burisma they needed to to they needed to um, rehabilitate the image of Burisma, which was run by some corrupt uh, oligarch, and he left the country. And they and they what uh, what Hunter Biden's job was was 
not to advise the company. He and, Ke- and John Kerry's son, uh, son, stepson, were sitting on $3 billion investment fund that was begun when Joe Biden became vice president as a way of, of uh, 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 you know, as a typical carpetbagging imperialist venture, whereas the, uh, you know, John Kerry and, and, and his father would, they would go into some country, whether it was uh, China and he makes contacts there. It was baked into the cake. Hunter Biden was a member or he was uh, a member of the National Endowment for Democracy. So he was part of the plan to, uh, to uh, a regime change and then rehabilitate through his contacts in the Atlantic Council and through the contacts in Washington, D.C. He hired a law firm that was very well connected to raise the profile of Burisma. Once that job was done of rehabilitating their image, the Atlantic Council began investing in Burisma and they became accepted as the source for natural gas that they were going to develop. What and a call, Elliot. What a call, Elliot, in Florida. Chris from Northern Ireland says, George, I think it's very likely uh, that the U.S. wants to make the Ukraine into another quagmire for Russia. This means that peace negotiations will be vetoed by the U.S. The goal seems to be to take out Russia and then to confront a weakened China. What do you think? Well, I don't think Russia will be taken out, and China is very far from weakened. I think that Russia and China together are an unbeatable force, unbeatable militarily, unbeatable uh, economically, and that the Eurasian uh, world is the rising power in the world. It is where the sun is rising. Now, we could have had a win-win. Because it's rising in the east, it didn't need to sink in the West, but that was our choice. Rather than go with the flow, rather than cooperate with Russia and China, we chose instead to confront it. And the uh, result is much misery. Uh, But I don't think the end of the story will be in any doubt. I have no doubt whatsoever in that. My young children are all learning Chinese. Guess why? Uh, Norma in Bristol, the legend, is back. Go ahead, Norma. Hello, George. Um, it's just two or three points I wanted to just discuss with you on my thoughts. Welcome. I don't know if I've got enough time. But... You do. You've got plenty of time. Oh, okay. It's my birthday tomorrow. Happy birthday, Norma. <laughs> tomorrow, 21 again. Uh, 80 bloody four. <laughs> 84, my goodness. You're sprightly for an 84-year-old. I don't know. Anyway, George, this is serious. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I do agree with you on 95, 98% of what you say, but I am concerned. Um, you know, I think NATO should have been disbanded anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I've said that before. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like Edwin Starr said, there's a his song, War, War. What is it good for? Now, the fighting that's going on in Russia, I mean, oh, I'm losing my thread here because they only put me on quickly. Um, they protest, um, well, we won't bother with that one, but the thing, the second point I was going to make, the um, fighting, the, the Russians on the streets are actually protesting but they're treated very badly by the Well, there are Russians on the street protesting. Of course, you would expect that in yeah. any country. But oh, I hope yeah. you don't think that's the majority of Russians. 
No, I just don't like the way the authorities... Well, you know, our authorities this week just passed a new law, uh, which means you can go to jail for having a noisy demonstration. Oh, I know, I know, I know. So, you know, don't single out Russia for that. A small number of people are demonstrating against Putin in Russia. Putin's only supported by about 70% of the Russian people on this, according to recent polling by Western polling organizations. That means 30% don't support him. And some of that 30% will be on the street uh, protesting. But Putin's popularity went up, not down, as a result of defending uh, Russian-speaking uh, people, ethnically Russian people, in eastern Ukraine. Yeah, well, I stand by the, the Donbass situation. What I was trying to say was I think they're treated very badly. I know our, our, what our country is doing about protests. Are they treated they, as badly as they are in France, for example? You saw the yellow vests. Are they well, treated true. as badly as that? True, yeah, true. But anyway, I hope there will be a lasting peace and an agreement can be found. And also, I hate all this witch hunting. It's going on with Russians. I think it's absolutely appalling. Almost incredible, Norma. Yeah, it is. I mean, I I never expected that. No, no, did I? And, um, well, I mean, I could go on, but I don't want to. As I say, I don't even like Chelsea, but I'm now being forced into supporting (laughs) Abramovich, whom I I like even less. Uh, But (laughs) the witch hunting of Russians, Russian things, and so on. Yeah, well, I I mean. It's like 1914. It's like, uh, you know, the mania about the Hun in 1914. Well, it's like Paul Robeson, wasn't it, years ago? Yeah. McCarthyism, that was terrible. Now, the speaking place. of Paul Robeson, I've yeah. got a song for you. Stay on the oh. line and listen to it. Oh. Happy birthday in Russian and in English, Norma in Bristol. The legend, 84 tomorrow. Uh, final, final call. It's Kenny in Acton. Two legends in a row. Go ahead, Kenny. Hi, George. I'd just like to first of all say happy birthday to Norma. Wonderful. If she's 84 tomorrow. Yeah, so, uh, wonderful. Well done living that long. I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> God willing. But, uh, yeah, hope so. let's see what happens. But uh, I'd just like to say well done and thank you to yourself for providing an alternative viewpoint because I'm not going to comment really on who's right and who's wrong because I don't know enough about the Russian-Ukrainian situation to really comment or take sides. But, That's fair, yeah. You know, I still... I still feel that Vladimir Putin is wrong for killing innocent Ukrainians and invading Ukraine. I think that's wrong. I think there should have been another way to negotiate this thing. And I just hope that there's peace in Ukraine as soon as possible. Amen. And I'd like to sing a song for peace as well. Yeah. Go ahead. Please do. Okay. Here we go. Oh, well, I'm tired and so weary. But I must go alone Till the Lord comes and calls Calls me away, oh 
the morning so bright And the Lamb is the light And the night's black as a sea Oh, oh, oh yes There will be peace in the valley for me someday there will be peace in the valley for me Amen, oh, amen, oh, peace in the valley Thank you Kenny in Acton uh, We've uh, reached the end of the show 7,100 people voted in our poll How astounding is that? I've got to take little Oleg home because Sergei and Alexander, his loving parents, have been banished. But much more serious acts are being taken against Russians around the globe. And I stand against them. Let's hope that the talks will succeed. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.